This morning we're continuing our sermon series on troubling the waters, and today we're looking at a a passage where Jesus might have gotten in a little trouble with his family. Uh, It's a passage from Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50. Uh, It's printed in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along, but uh, before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 12, verse, beginning with verse 46. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So in our household growing up, Mother's Day was probably observed a little more fervently than Father's Day. Part of that had to do with the fact that my mom probably made all the arrangements for Father's Day. But it also had to do with the fact that my father, every year around Father or Mother's Day, would in, insist that my brother and I do something to show my mother how much we appreciated her. It was so important for us to remember as boys how much our mother loved us and also how much we should appreciate all the things that she did for us. And we have tried to do that all throughout our lives. Even now when I'm uh, not able to be with my mother on Mother's Day, we try to send cards or flowers or gifts or do something to show her that we remember her and we love her and appreciate her. In fact, in my whole life, I can only remember one instance where my brother and I forgot to do something on Mother's Day. We were both teenagers, uh, both in high school, both of us able to drive. And I remember that Sunday morning, my mom had gotten up already and and gone on to church because she sang in the choir and they were practicing early in the morning. And so as we got up, my father asked us what we had planned for Mother's Day. And my brother and I looked at each other and said, well, we forgot. We don't have anything. At that point, we got a lecture from my father about how important it was to remember my mother on Mother's Day. And so we assured him we would have something planned. We would have something for her when she got home from church, when we all got home from church. My brother and I started making phone calls, but as you might imagine, there weren't many places open for brunch in Greer, South Carolina about 30 years ago. There weren't many places open on Sunday Uh, sidewise and so we kept making calls tried to find something finally we drove around and we drove by one florist who had a bunch of cars in the parking lot and so we decided to chance it and we went in and while they weren't really technically open they were delivering flowers for all the other people who had remembered to order flowers for their parents on mother's day and so we asked if they had any bouquets available, and they had one bouquet of roses left that they were willing to sell to us. And so we pulled out all of our pennies and our gas money and gave it to the florist, and they were able to, to sell us this bouquet of roses. 
Incidentally, even though it's been 30 years, McCown's Florist on Brushy Creek Road for all of your floral needs. Make sure you stop by there. We got home and we put those flowers right on the mantle and when mom came in, we said, Happy Mother's Day, just like we had had it planned the whole time. I have a feeling she knew what was going on. But in our house, the number one rule our whole lives, and especially on Mother's Day, was don't upset your mom. That's what dad taught us every single day. Don't upset your mother. And when we did upset our mother, which unfortunately we did from time to time when we broke that rule, we got a long lecture from my father about how we should appreciate my mom. I have to believe that my dad would have given Jesus a lecture after reading this passage this morning. This passage this morning, Jesus is teaching with his disciples, teaching a crowd of people. And he has has been teaching in lots of different places. This passage in Matthew is kind of stuck in the midst of a lot of other little stories of teaching and and preaching and and healing. And right here in the middle of this passage, Jesus is preaching to a a big crowd when when someone tries to get Jesus' attention. And he says, your mom is here, your brothers, your sisters are here, your family's here, and they want to speak to you. Well, what... Jesus maybe should have done was to say, let me, make, let me stop and make sure my mom has a place right up front or let me check in and make sure mom has everything she needs. Let me find out what time dinner's on. Let me see if I can run by the store on the way home and run any errands for her. Because after all, this was Jesus' mom. But instead, Jesus says, who is my mom? Who are my brothers and my sisters? These are my brothers and my sisters. This is my family. Talk about breaking your mama's heart. I'm pretty sure my dad would have given me a long lecture after something like that. The truth is, there are several different instances throughout the Bible where Jesus does talk about how we have to self-differentiate ourselves from our family. There's that instance you might remember where that man wants to follow Jesus, but first he wants to go and bury his father who has died. And, and Jesus says, no, no, leave the dead to bury the dead and follow me. There's other instances where Jesus says uh, pretty explicitly, I've heard here, I'm, I've come to, to turn brother against brother, parent against child. And he tells us that at times in order to follow God, we might have to make tough decisions about uh, how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to relate to our family. And it's true that there are times there are people all over this world that in order to follow Jesus Christ, they have to make those tough decisions to say goodbye, in fact, to people that they love. I remember an old story that Will Williman told years ago. I may have even shared this one with you. When before he became a, 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 the dean of Duke Divinity School and a bishop in the United Methodist Church, he was working as sort of a, a young adult minister at a church and worked with several college students there. And there was one particular exchange student that he got to know very well. And he, along with several other students at that school, decided that, that they wanted to be baptized. They wanted to join the church. And so they planned a special day at church where all of these students were baptized including this exchange student. Many of their families had come to church to observe the baptism and celebrate with them. It was supposed to be a happy day, a joyful day. And then Will asked this one exchange student if he wanted to call his family so that they could share in the celebration. This young man said, no, we can't tell my family at all. He said, why not? Wouldn't they want to celebrate with you? And he said, oh, no. Where I come from, if if my parents knew that I was becoming a Christian, they would disown me. They would never speak to me again. For me to become a Christian means I have to say goodbye and never see them again. 
And so for what everybody else, for, for everybody else was a celebration, for this young man, it was like a funeral. He was saying goodbye to his old life to become a more devoted Christian to God. That happens to us. It is part of the Christian faith that at times we have to make tough decisions. We have to say goodbye. We have to set boundaries. It's a part of what it means to follow God's will instead of just following our own will. But I would like to think that that's not exactly what Jesus is getting at in this passage this morning. Certainly, Jesus wants us to to be devoted to God, but truly, I have no doubt that Jesus loved his mother too. That maybe what Jesus is teaching us in this passage is not just that we have to say goodbye to other people, but more so, Jesus is trying to help us define what it means to be a family. We talk about that a lot here at church. We call ourselves a church family, don't we? And that word family has a a lot of connotations with it. When we think of a family, we think of a group of people who gather together, who lift each other up, who support each other, who have compassion for each other. At times, people who may disagree with each other, who may even fight with each other. But even after all those disagreements, we still gather around the same table and share the same food because even though we might disagree, we all want the same thing. We want the family to be stronger. We want to support the family, the family of God. Many of you have experienced that here at Faith Presbyterian Church. You've come here and experienced this place as a family that supports you when you have needed it the most. And that's what a family does. I've told you this story many years ago, but there was a a wonderful little book uh, called Good News from North Haven that was written many years ago by a minister named Michael Linville. And there's a passage, there's a chapter in the book where that's called Baptism, where he talks about different examples of baptism that he experienced in his church. And he tells one beautiful little story about a family in his church. They had had just celebrated a baptism one Sunday morning, and it was a beautiful day. Everybody was so happy and joyful. And after the service was over and everybody had exited, he came back in the sanctuary and he saw one woman, an older adult named Mildred, crying in the front pew of the church. He came in and sat down beside her and asked her, he said, why are you crying? And she said, well, my granddaughter Tina has just had a baby and I want more than anything else for that baby to be baptized, but I know she's just too embarrassed to do it. Because you see, in this particular church, when they baptized babies, they invited the whole family to come forward and stand with the baptized baby, to stand with the family. And Tina was by herself. The man who who was the father of the baby had, had left soon after Tina got pregnant and had joined the Air Force and was gone, and they had never heard from him again. And In this small community, those kind of things were still very much frowned upon, and she was embarrassed to go up and stand in front of this church and see all those eyes of judgment upon her. Michael told Mildred, don't worry about it, let's schedule it, it's going to be okay. Even though it might be a little awkward, it's important to do this, to show everyone the love of God. And so they scheduled the baptism for just a few weeks later. Uh, The time came for the baptism, and and, and Michael called Tina Ford, and, and she brought forth the little baby boy, and then he said those words that everyone was afraid he was going to say, who will come and stand with this child? Mildred, the grandmother, of course, got up and walked up by herself because she was not going to let her granddaughter stand alone. And there was a few minutes of awkward silence, or a few moments of awkward silence, as you might imagine. But then, just as Michael was about to begin the rest of the, of the sacrament, 
he noticed there were a few people wrestling around in the front pews. It was Angus McDowell and, and his wife. Angus was an elder of the church, and he had known Tina her whole life, and so he decided to get up and walk forward and stand beside her up on the chancel. And then he heard, Michael heard behind him, the choir director who had, who had been uh, Tina's children's choir director when she was a child came around and stood beside her as well. And then someone else had, had come up, their youth leaders who had known Tina when she was in youth group got up and walked up forward and stood beside her as well. And pretty soon, one by one, every single person in the sanctuary stood up. Tina wasn't alone. She had never been alone. Her family was right there. Jesus says, these are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters. This is my family because Jesus knows that each and every one of us, we weren't created to live this life alone. We need to lean on each other. We can't handle the problems of this world all by ourselves. We need people to lean on each other, to care for each other, to lift us up when we're down. And my goodness, we have certainly learned that in this past year. This past year, when you think of all that we've been through, this church would not still be here if it weren't for this family of faith who have continued to be faithful to each other. Those of you who have reached out to others who have been isolated during this time, picking up the phone and calling them and reminding them that they're not alone. Those of you who have been faithful with your time and your money and your energy to keep this church strong during what has been a difficult time. But the truth is, we've not only seen that in our church, we've seen that out in the world as well. Think about where we would be without those doctors and those nurses who have been that surrogate family for so many of us who could not be with our loved ones who were dying in the hospital. Think about all of those teachers who have worked so hard to be moms and dads for students in school when they have been trying to figure out a way to learn online. Think about ways that we have been the best of humanity during this past year. We've been family. Who are my mothers and my brothers and my sisters, Jesus says. It's these people right here. People who are willing to lean on each other and care for each other and love each other the way God intended for us to do. We could not live this life alone. God gave us these families of faith to support each other because God knew we couldn't live without it. But this passage, this calling from Jesus, is not just a word of comfort, but as I said, it is a calling too, because just as we need family like that, there are so many more out in the world who need it as well. There are people right outside our walls right now who don't have the family that we have. They don't have the mothers and the fathers and the neighbors and the aunts and the uncles and the people that support us, maybe people that we take for granted every day. There are people right outside our walls who need to know what it's like to have a family that surrounds you, that comforts you, that loves you. They need to know what it's like to have a church family called by God to care for each other. They can't live without it either. And so our calling as Christians is to expand the boundaries of what we mean when we say family. Family is a big word. A word where everyone is invited to the table. A word where everyone has a seat, everyone has a place where they feel like they belong, where they have the nurture and the love that they need. Family is a place where we care about those people, where we love our neighbors as ourselves like they're members of our family. 
Those people out there who don't have enough food to eat, who can't pay their bills. Those people out there who have been despised and rejected by their own family, by their own church. They still need a family. And that's who Jesus Christ calls us to be. Who are my brothers and my sisters? Who is my mother? Jesus says, these are my brothers and my sisters and my mother. These people who need us, who need God. Some of you know this past week, I was uh, up in South Carolina with my grandmother. My grandmother, who lived in Georgia her entire life, has just moved to an assisted living uh, facility in South Carolina. And I went up there to kind of help with the transition a little bit. We got to watch a lot of Braves games. The Braves actually won every game we watched, by the way. I must be good luck. We had a good week, and I was getting to know the people who worked there at the facility, and I was kind of pestering them, to be honest. Uh, there was one named Valerie, one named Luann, one named Claudia. I would come in at all hours of the night because the Braves games were late at night, and they would let me in and kind of roll their eyes. And finally, towards the end of the week, I was leaving, and I told Valerie, well, I'm flying back home to Florida, and so I won't be pestering you anymore. And she said, oh, you're leaving. You're going to Florida. For some reason, she was moved to say these words to me. She said, well, don't worry. We'll care for your grandmother. We'll be her family until you get back. For some reason, that little statement put me in mind of another passage from the New Testament. Another moment when Jesus put family together. When he was leaving and hanging on the cross and he looked at his mother Mary and said, Mary, behold your son John. John, behold your mother Mary. One of the last things that Jesus did was put a new family together. The last thing Jesus did was care for his mother. Who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother? You all are brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. You all are a family of faith who are meant to care for each other and for the world. And so Jesus asks us, who is our family? Who is our brothers and our sisters? Who is our family? Maybe even more so, Jesus asks us, who will be the family for those people out there in need? Who will be the family for those children at Seeley who don't get to eat on the weekends because there aren't uh, food in their homes on the weekends? Who will be the family for those older adults who are isolated right now, can't come to church anymore, may never be able to step inside this sanctuary again? Who are those family for those people outside these walls who are, are living on the streets or who feel, like I say, despised and rejected by everyone? Who will be the family for them? Jesus answers by saying, these are my brothers and sisters. This is my family. And even more so, God says, these are my children. So treat them like family. That's what Jesus does. And so that's what we're called to do too. To the glory of God. Amen.